This is The Shift Podcast. The Shift Daily Podcast is available when The Shift is complete every single morning. Today on The Shift Daily Podcast, are you okay with 7-Eleven selling tacos? How about tacos in a drive-thru? 7-Eleven drive-thrus, you can get your Slurpee. We'll get more coming up in Are You Okay? What about swarms of spiders in Australia? Nobody wants to hear that, but it's in the podcast. Sean Go joins us on The Shift. He's a sneaker YouTuber to help us understand the thousands of Canadians that are spending insane amounts of money on sneakers. It's a new commodity-ish thing. We dig into sneaker culture, the passion behind the shoes, and more. Plus, in case you missed it, here on The Shift. Are you okay with gas station tacos? Oh, well, if we learned anything about gas station sushi, or most yeah. gas, gas station food, is that you can either end up with botulism or just a uncalled for psychedelic trip. I mean... A taco and a trip kind of sounds like a pretty sweet Saturday night. I'm not going to lie. It does when you do it on purpose, but not when you're not expecting it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But what about if it's a fresh taco? Like if I watch the 7-Eleven people unfreeze the beef in front of me and make it in front of me, I feel a little bit better. But if they pull it out of like a shelf behind them, then I'm going to be a little concerned about that taco and the what taco's that is going to do to me. Okay, so I let's throw into this. Let's uh, <laughs> that's in a bag. It's boiled in a bag. Oh. Um, this is um, this is uh, all things burritos, taquitos, tacos. I think we can all throw those into the gas station uh, caution aisle. I think that's a fair one. Like potatoes, potato wedges. Yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Tacos. Mm. Well, here in North America, we live in the drive-thru. Over in Europe, <laughs> there's no drive-thru. We've got this all wrong, but it makes money. With the pandemic making drive-thrus even more and more popular, 7-Eleven wants to get into the game. It's opening one for its taco restaurant. The convenience store chains that we chain that we love so much for the Slurpees announced on Tuesday it's opening a Laredo taco location with a drive-through in Dallas. This is the first drive-through for the taco chain as well as the first drive-through at a corporate-owned 7-Eleven store. You can order Slurpees and other 7-Eleven products with your tacos, side dishes, and aguas frescas. Nice. There's a here's a look at this from MSNBC on how convenience store is trying to become more chic. 7-Eleven, where you can get something to eat right there. You could order from the gas pump and like mini cafe where you can sit down on the inside as well. And if the state allows it, you can have a nice beer with your sandwich or your taco or whatever it may be. So they've really transformed themselves into more food offerings uh, rather than just like Convenience and storage just picking up milk and eggs and, and bread. In September 2014, 7-Eleven partnered with celebrity fitness expert Tony Horton, creator of Beachbody P90X, to develop a line of healthy sandwiches, salads, wraps, and cold-pressed juices. And in March 2019, the company opened its first Evolution Store concept in Dallas, Texas. The new format features made-to-order smoothies, 
baked in-store croissants and an alcove dedicated to wine and craft beers. The store also incorporates a Laredo Taco Company taqueria. 7-Eleven bought the taqueria as part of the 1,000-store acquisition from Sunoco in 2018. I'll have a taco and a uh, Budweiser, please. Thank you. Well, that'd be all right, wouldn't it? Yeah. Okay, so late night kind of makes sense. I get that. And I know some people that do eat the 7-Eleven food quite regularly, and they swear by it. They say it's fantastic. They do. They'll buy a bucket of chicken, and they say it's great. And uh, so, you know, in 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 defense of my my teasing and joking around 7-Eleven, there are people that, that really do recommend it and think it's fantastic. So, But would you do it, though? I, but you know what? Actually, 7-Eleven may have struck gold here because I just realized something. Where else can you get a taco in a drive-thru? There's like two taco times left in all of Canada that aren't in malls. There's like sure. one Taco Bell per city. You know, sure, you could go get a burger from anywhere from a drive-thru, but a taco? No. So yeah. honestly, and I've had Taco Bell cravings at 2 o'clock oh. in the morning. I had one earlier in the show while I was getting this story ready. I could go for a late night taco. So 7-Eleven, cheesy, if you're going to jump on cheesy it. Cheesy chili burrito me. from Taco Bell. It was oh. like this slurry of brown. <laughs> That's all it was. Ooh. But let's be honest. It tasted so good. So good. The Did sodium go was... Brunch? Oh, these were good. We might have to have a Taco Bell night. The question is, solar corona, which way do you go? Pacifico, actually, probably. Oh. Um, Fenchy. Gas station hot dogs are the best, especially if they were put on the rollers at 2 a.m., and I get them at 6 a.m. when they're nice and crunchy on the outside. Mm-hmm. Angelo. <laughs> Cr- crunchy on the outside of my hot dog, though? I mean, I get that if I cook it on the barbecue. I don't know if I get it from a convenience store. Cather says, no, never, ever. Trucker Kevin would like to place his order. He says, uh, I'd like a uh, taco, box of condoms, pregnancy test, Slurpee, and chicken, please. (laughs) (laughs) This is what 7-Eleven is becoming. Oh, and a craft beer. But Mm -hmm. here's the thing, though, is that, you know, to to that point, you can go to Costco and you can buy a TV, a steak. You can get some cinnamon toast crunch and a kayak. So maybe it's not so crazy. Are you okay? Are you okay with public bathrooms? I feel like, you know, the whole outdoors is my bathroom. No, I'm just joking. Um, It's, I mean, I would be okay with public bathrooms if they were more public. Sometimes they're very hard to find in this this particular city. Yep. But um, I remember that. Yeah, I'm I'm generally okay. You know, the convenience, sometimes, you know, the the moment hits you and you have to act on it. You do. As quickly and as public possible. Public bathrooms are sometimes the, your only option. Look, they can get gross and nasty, but at the same time as someone who does not own a car, a public bathroom can sometimes be, you know, the life-saving thing. And I wish there were more of them in general, uh, but man, they can get stinky. They can get stinky, but you have a mask now. See, comes in handy. Yeah. So there you go. This I miss the trough. I will carry it. I miss the trough, 
uh, with a big aluminum trough, like the old days where the water goes in one side, it just runs down the trough. It's like a, it's like a big feeding trough, but it's a peeing trough. Uh, anybody who was around in the eighties will remember those. Um, those were, uh, always pretty good. Well, it seems like a low budget solution, but it works fantastic. The Vancouver Park Board is being questioned over their $645,000 public washroom for a city park some other municipalities have installed the same ones or similar ones for a fraction of the price made with heavy steel anti-graffiti paint with an open top and bottom to prevent crime it's a pretty epic can um here's more from global news the portland loo will be popping up in vancouver's cooper's park the total price tag six hundred and forty five thousand dollars no no Definitely, no, it's too much. That's a drop in the bucket for the budget in Vancouver. The sticker price for the toilet is high, but as I mentioned earlier, it's it's like the tank of toilets. It's it's virtually indestructible, right? And and unfortunately, we spend a lot of money uh, in our toilets, uh, in the toilet system, uh, just repairing uh Damage. The structure costs up to $185,000. Other fees include consultation, soil assessment, sewer, water, and electrical connections, site preparation, and installation. The $645,000 is a cost estimate. The actual amount will depend on design and implementation. There's likely uh, sewer uh, systems that have to be put in place because it's an unserviced part of the city, right? So, so we got to get all those services, power, water, uh, likely a sewer connection. Esquimalt residents a little surprised at the price difference. Well, the cushioning must be really good, <laughs> frankly. Uh, I, I just don't understand, you know, the cost. The cushioning must be pretty good. I would like to give that guy a medal. That's fantastic. It's a good stream. Um, yeah, I like that one. That seems like a lot of money, but I don't remember, Ryan, you remember the story from Calgary put one down on uh, the Red Mile on 17th Avenue, and it was one of those self-washing, super high-tech, fancy-pantsy ones. Yeah. Um, and that was that was in that price range, too. It was a lot of money. I think we used to call it the million-dollar bathroom, right? Yeah, well, it's also like, just to put it in perspective, this bathroom is, is I'm pretty sure it's just two toilets mm-hmm. looking at it well, the one so in calgary the, was one toilet yeah but mind you i mean if it's self if it can take care of itself and you're paying that much money for it that's one thing but if you're going to put a slab of indestructible metal in the middle of a park and leave it and that's going to cost you six hundred thousand dollars that's that's a different story but if it's mm-hmm. got robots that can do all the work for you hey million dollar toilet i'll take it yeah well, and anti-graffiti paint, I get that stuff, but that's that's not $600,000. I don't know, it seems like an awful lot of money. But another Portland Lou kiosk installed in Nelson cost the city $140,000, though. City of Vancouver has been criticized in the past for lack of public facilities, especially for the city's more vulnerable citizens. The city of Vancouver operates 11 automated public toilets with two comfort stations underground. Why is there air quotes on that? That's suspicious. Along with three temporary washroom trailers... Uh, open during the pandemic, uh, six of them are open 24 hours a day. Those panda, those, um, those bathroom trailers, those are pretty nice too. They have like an RV toilet. Not very durable though. If someone goes in there and they're a little reckless and starts kicking and, and whatever, they would get wrecked pretty quick, but they can be pretty nice uh, in, in a bit of a bind. Not like the trailers of old, if you will, or the, uh, the biffies. Nobody liked the biffies.
877-399-9898. Your calls, your text messages uh, here on The Shift. Uh, doing mobile security work. There are a lot of parking lots. Uh, they are my public washroom. <laughs> public <laughs> bathrooms within Vancouver are gross. Another text says, uh, can't wait for 7-Eleven to start selling sushi. If 7-Eleven starts selling sushi, there better be more public bathrooms. I think we can tie those two together. Oh, yeah. Right? Um, <laughs> are you okay? Oh, no. I don't want to do this. You don't have to, but it's there. Are you? Well, you do it. Then I don't want to do it. This you want me to do it? Me okay. Yeah, All right, guys. Creepy. Here we go. Here we go. Are you okay with spiders? Yeah. That's a spider on oh. my microphone. <laughs> Big one. So well, are are you? Um. Yeah. I mean, you know, anybody seen Arachnophobia? I love that movie. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> Shane, you need a movie to watch for the weekend? La, 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 la. <laughs> no, no, he does not like this, the scary movies. No, he does not. I don't like the scary movies. I'm okay. I'm, I'm okay with how frightened people do get of spiders. And mm. like it'll make their voice just shoot right up you know, into their, their highest octave. And it can be, you know, because in size relation, a human to a spider, like that's like a Godzilla and a building, mm-hmm. you know, but it's and like Godzilla, Godzilla climbed the building. Yeah. It's like Godzilla being frightened of a building. <laughs> yeah. But then he climbed the building. That's the problem. I don't like when or the spiders climb it. on me. That's true. They are. Right? Kind of, yeah. They can be icky. Look, spiders are. I think spiders are incredible creatures. The way they benefit the earth, the stuff they can do, and the way they adapt is incredible. Keep them away from me. I don't want to look at them. I don't want to see them. Just let them do their stuff in the silence. I'm okay with it. But no spiders. Don't like them. All right. Would you like me to tell you more about why we're talking about spiders? Yeah, you keep going. I don't want to do this one. I quit. (laughs) So this will loop back to it, but here is a refresher on the catastrophic flooding happening right now in Australia. This is from Al Jazeera. New South Wales's capital, Sydney, the largest dam has overflowed, flooding neighbourhoods in the city's western suburbs. Further north on what was meant to be their wedding day, a couple lost their home as it floated down Manning River after bursting its banks. Emergency services have responded to thousands of calls from people who've been left stranded, Many more have been forced from their homes. And there are warnings of more flash floods in the coming days, with water levels not expected to subside until Thursday. Our first and foremost priority is to save lives, save as many properties as possible, but also to give people enough warning uh, of what's occurring. And I appreciate in parts of the mid and north coast regions which are experiencing the one in 100 year event, there's been sustained damage to infrastructure, there's been sustained damage to how people communicate and move around. And I just want to say to everybody in New South Wales who's experiencing that fear and that anxiety that our thoughts are with you and we'll get assistance to you as soon as we can. So, I would like to quote, just wait one sec, sorry, yeah, buddy. I would like to quote Doug's text message with the are you okay with spiders. Uh, mm-hmm. Doug's entire text message says no. No. End of message. <laughs> Thank you, Doug. Yeah, which is fair. I, I Look, Doug, I'm with you there. But so this is going to really, you're really not going to be okay with this because what does that have to do with spiders? Well, Australia is known for spiders. They have a lot of spiders and big ones. Well, they're smart creatures and they adapt. 
the water levels are so high that hundreds of thousands of spiders and snakes have fled to higher ground. TikTok user Sheena Varley uploaded a video showing spiders swarming a fence on a bridge. Quote, they will climb up your legs to get to shelter as well. Melanie Williams from the town of Maxville, she said so many spiders in the flood water, along with a video of hundreds of them crawling over a garage door. You can also see them gliding on top of the water and the snakes are in the trees. So here's the lesson. Don't go to Australia. <laughs> just <laughs> yeah, just no. don't do it. That's don't. the only reason why I won't go there is because they, they've got things that will kill you like everywhere, at least in Canada. Our things that will kill us are as big as us and they growl right you can see them coming these things they'll climb in your ear and like stab your brain oh, okay <laughs> yeah. Listen, i would like to apologize right now for all of the shift heads that are trying to go to sleep <laughs> right and like you're sitting there and oh, that yeah. no that's trust me that little tickle on your foot you just felt no it's okay it wasn't itch it's not a bug i hope if it's a bug i'm sorry but see this is what you've created for people <laughs> not hey kind. i didn't say it i just present the facts Right. <laughs> hey, we live in Canada. We're in Canada. There's not a lot of spiders here. There are some, but they're mostly pretty chill, and they mind their own business. So don't worry. All right. Just don't go to Australia. Right. <laughs> it gives me the shivers. I hate that. Uh, are you okay? Moving on. Yeah. Are you okay with Florida? Uh, like the band or the state i like the state because there's so much like just crazy stuff that happens there every single second of every single day yeah it's very true but in all fairness if we're going to talk you know about the crazy things that happen there i mean they do bring it upon themselves and they don't seem to have much of a anything filter for anything covid but at the same time they also have this guy so this is good too That makes it all better, right? Let me talk to him. Okay. What? That's the end of the story. Oh, that's not the end of the story. There's more. No, news? it's not. Cause yeah. Burr. The burr. <sighs> We've all heard about the Florida man stories. Well, now is time for a Florida mom story. A Florida mom was arrested on Wednesday after she showed up to her daughter's school looking for a fight. With a student, why wouldn't you? Here's more from ABC News. A mother showed up to her daughter's school wearing boxing gloves. Police arrested Edith Riddle after they say she got into a fight with another student at DuPont Middle School. The police report states that Riddle told school leaders the glove was super glued to her wrist and she couldn't remove it. The victim had bruises on her knees and her forearm. Okay, well, Florida. she's got terrible aim if she's got bruises. On her knees. And two, it, it is very kind and responsible to pad the knuckles before you beat somebody up, in all fairness. I mean, let's keep the injuries to a minimum. So here are more details on this ridiculous story. Uh, Riddle had just left the school with her own daughter after a meeting with the vice principal on campus. Rather than leaving the school, the daughter walked out on her way through the cafeteria to start a fight. Riddle's daughter uh, pushed the victim to the ground and threw some punches before the suspect also joined in in punching the victim, who was lying on the ground. Riddle was arrested and charged with being stupid and one count of child abuse with personal special <laughs> weapon. 
<laughs> That's special. not funny. Florida. <sighs> Florida. Florida. Oh man, that's uh, I can't. She brought the gloves to the school and super glued them to herself. That can't be. That cannot what? be. It, that cannot be. Like, why would you? Uh, like, that's got to be just her story. Like, oh, they were stuck to my hands. I, I hope so, or almost. I don't hope so, because this is insane and uh, Yeah. Well, I'm just gonna take this opportunity to play more um, Flow Rider. This is my jam. Gotta wait for the uh. <sighs> Music is bad too. This is the Shift Podcast. More than once in the show, I've told Ryan that he's crazy in his love affair for sneakers. So what Ryan is doing is what everybody else does in normal life. They seek evidence to make themselves feel better. That's life. That's psychology right there. That's all of our lives, by the way. That's the brain science. The end, $180, get off my couch. Um, the reality is, is that it's, there's sometimes we have love affairs that we can't explain. That's how I would like to describe this. And sometimes a new market opens up in a place that we would never have expected. The thing that I admire the most about shoes is the capitalist nature of it all. Ryan just loves the shoes. And Ryan wanted to bring on one um, a, a member of his shoe community, if you will. Uh, so welcoming Sean Go to The Shift. Ryan O'Donnell is here as well. And I want to paint a picture for you of what I see when I look at Sean in our video call is I see a handsome young man with a hat on backwards and a giant wall of sneakers, uh, sneaker boxes uh, behind him. Sean, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's great to have you here. I know you and Ryan, um, uh, you guys could be long lost soulmates. Uh, you could be brothers from another mother. Um, who knows which way this goes, but I, I know that you both have a love affair for sneakers. And um, Ryan truly, truly just enjoys it too so will you tell us how you fell in love with sneakers and and how it's a big thing in your life yeah so for me it started with um basketball primarily so i grew up um throughout the 90s watching michael jordan in the tail end of his career and uh, he's my favorite player of all time and obviously i didn't have the skill set of michael jordan but to be one step closer to him i wanted to wear what he was wearing which in most cases were the Air Jordans. So starting from childhood, I've always had that uh, love for Jordan specifically. And it wasn't until I started working in late high school, early university that I got the money to be able to afford to buy my shoes. And that really kickstarted my whole, I guess you can call it addiction <laughs> for, uh, for sneakers. And well, it's funny that you say that because my first question was, who is the pusher who gave you this first taste of this crack? I was 12 years old and my aunt's boyfriend uh, gave me his pair of original Air Jordan 12s, which I wore for a basketball tournament. And that, Ever since. Yep. That's it. Yep. That's how it started. All right, Ryan. Well, here you are. You've got your friend. Um, you've got all the sneakers in the world. Have at her. Um, help us understand why this is. I get the, I get the marketplace of it, the access to market. I don't get the value. Um, but help us understand what's going on. 
I think one of the really cool things about your story, Sean, is that your first connection where you got that taste of crack was getting the Jordan 12s and the keyword was wearing them. You put them on in a tournament and you played in them. So that experience for me is amazing. When I uh, see a shoe online that I connect with, whether it's the color, the design or whatever, if I do manage to get it in hand, there is a certain sense of holy crap when I put them on. You feel a connection and it's almost like this hidden part of your own confidence is it just comes out. So do you kind of relate to that, the power behind putting them on? 100%. Like I'm always one that preaches wear your shoes when possible. And I try to wear as many of my pairs as I can. Um, and like you said, there's something about putting on that pair. It really gives you that next level of confidence. And it's kind of, I kind of compare it to me, like getting a fresh haircut, for example. You know, it's not something someone may look at it and be like, okay, well, it's a nice haircut, but how you feel on the inside is a whole nother level than what others see it from the outside. It's when you get a good shampoo, isn't it? it, it That's right. And right. that head massage, you know? The socks are the head massage and the Jordans yeah. are the haircut, right? <laughs> exactly. It's, it's all about completing the look. So now one of the interesting things, uh, there is a, for those who don't know the sneaker market, uh, YouTube is a very interesting place for content for sneakerheads. It's a place for the culture to grow, whether it's reviewing shoes or seeing shoes in hand. And that's what Sean does. Sean's YouTube channel, you get the shoes in hand, you review them, put them on, say, this will fit this, this, the colors of this, and review. But one of the things I find interesting is that that market is very, very strong in the U.S., but you're really, in terms of Canada, one of the only big people in the market. I know your channel is approaching 100,000 subscribers. So in your experience, do you would you say that the culture and the way people follow it is a bit different in Canada compared to the States? I wouldn't say it's necessarily different per se, but I feel like there's definitely a lag in terms of our the sneaker community here in Canada versus down south. So if you're talking about um, what I do specifically on YouTube, which again is um, more uh, professional uh, sneaker reviews, if you want to call it that, and less on the vlog style sort of thing. So when I was getting in, when I was, well, years back, when I was continuing getting into shoes and buying more pairs here and there, a lot of the questions I was asking would be, how's the quality of the materials? How do they fit? Um, you know, things like that. And I found that there weren't a lot of options in terms of Canadian content creators that could answer those questions. So I'm personally a photographer first before a YouTuber, and that's how I've always been. And that's how I feel more comfortable, but I figured there's this gap in the community, in the community here in Canada. So why not just take a stab at it and see where it goes? And, um, the reception has been pretty positive and here I am today. Do you find that you're actually right now building your own little community for Canadians? I think in a way, yes. Like, I mean, I don't really, I'm not your typical YouTuber in the sense that I don't really create merch and I don't have like a Patreon or anything like that. Like, I'm just a guy that has a strong passion for shoes like yourself. And I just decided to uh, make videos about uh, the shoes and share my share my thoughts and but at the same time there's definitely been people that have been following my content since i started years back and um, they're always voicing their support and 
you know, a lot of friendships I've made over the years through, through these platforms. So in a sense, yeah, I, I guess you can say that. So let, let's put ourselves in the people who think we are crazy, who for loving what we do and wearing these shoes, how would you explain to someone why you are wearing the shoe or why you have 400 pairs? I don't know how many, how many pairs do you have? That's one question. If you have an estimate. <laughs> I stopped counting after 300. So I don't know. Okay. So there I you stopped. go. I, I don't know. I don't Shane, know. You can't, you can't rag me anymore. I only have like 35. But Sean makes money at it. Oh, that's like, true. Yeah. <laughs> you, like, you have, you, like that's like saying to a guy who owns a car dealership, how many cars do you have when you spent your money on five and he's got a hundred. Yeah. Like that's not fair. Anyway, it's a lot of shoes. Though. It's nice a work. lot of shoes. But yeah, so to, how would you kind of explain the method behind our madness to someone? That's a really good question. And it's something I've been asking myself for years when I look at my closet and see it overflowing with shoes. But ultimately, I think it just comes to um, passion and just genuine love. Uh, sneakers can be seen as anything from like a fashion um, accessory to um, way of expressing your individualism or a form of art. So there's so many different ways you can look at sneakers. And I think all of those different um, ways are very valid and I see them in those different ways as well, right? So for example, um, the shoes that I buy and the shoes I wear is a reflection of my personal style. Um, it's also a way for me to show appreciation for the art and the design and the technology. So there's so many different ways you can look at it. What about um? What about the value, Sean? Is that the value of the shoes seems to be grossly inflated by the trend of the demand, and there are a few shoe lines that have really limited production. It seems to me that we're starting to see some of these reproductions and re-releases, much like we're seeing in music, much like we're seeing in movies and comic book movies being made and remade and made and remade. But then we've got this inflated value. Do you ever worry about some of these young folks that are out there spending tons of money on shoes, grossly inflated prices? Or do you really truly believe that that value of the shoe is going to stick around? I've been telling myself that this has been a bubble for the past how many years, but it seems like with each passing year, there's just more and more people getting into sneakers and the community has just been growing with each year. So ultimately, with these obscene prices, it comes down to how much the buyers are willing to pay. And I'm guilty of that as well. Like, I don't appreciate um, the whole resale aspect of shoes. And ideally, I wish it wasn't even a thing. I wish shoes could just sit on the shelves and the ones we want, we could just go in and walk in the store and buy them. But it's kind of the reality now. Um I personally don't see this bubble popping anytime soon. As long as there's money to be made, you know, these people that these resellers are, are going to be here. And again, I'm part of the problem because oftentimes when I strike out on a pair at retail, I will pony up the cash and, and pay these resellers the money they're looking for just to get this shoe. Mm -hmm. It's tough. Well, to demand say, is no. demand, right? It's a glory of, of, you know, the capital economy. Uh, so, I mean, if there's demand for something, that's great. I just worry that some people, you know, get sucked in the hype. But I also worry about people who pay $3,000 for PlayStation 5 before Christmas, right? Kind of the same um, thing that's there. Is there a particular pair of shoes that you 
put on like tell tell me that secretly like you have a pair of crocs or something that are secretly your favorite that you don't tell anybody but those are the actual shoes you wear all the time no crocs in my collection but um my go-to shoes i leave by the door is the nike roshi one really um yeah yeah yeah. it's comfy i'll give you that it's It's comfy comfy i don't even have to wear socks if i'm throwing out garbage you know just slip them on just don't care what happens to them (laughs) everybody needs a pair like that though you need to have a pair that you throw them on and if there's a new scuff on them fine add it to the story because a lot of people like to tell a story with how much they wear their shoes and today uh or i guess by the time this airs it'll be yesterday but is air max day it's the day that nike celebrates uh the air max line of shoes their tech and one of my the shoe i consider the one that got me into all of this are my 19 or my air max 97 south beaches i saw those shoes on the shelf i put them on and i went wait a minute i can do something with this and I see so many scuffs on them from wearing them to bars, clubs, walking outside, running, snow, whatever. And it's almost like a mark of excellence. You see it and you feel good about it. And even I I got a pair of valuable shoes. I got really lucky and got a pair of off-white dunks not that long ago. And I wore them and I saw dirt on them. These shoes are worth over $1,000 and I didn't care. I felt good. I was like, cool. I can just wipe it off, whatever. They're my shoes. You know, do you ever hesitate, though, if you put on a really expensive pair, see a scuff or something, or does it not really bother you as much? I think for me, the shoe has to go past a certain point where I stop caring, but because (laughs) I own so many shoes and I try to rotate them, um, it's hard for me to get to the point where a shoe is completely beat down you know so for me like i'll try to rotate every week and then after before i put them back in the box i'll make sure they're clean and free of scuffs but then there's certain shoes i have in my collection where they're they're the designated like like you said like i don't care how many scuffs there are on them and i'll wear them in the snow and the mud or whatever and there's those those are the ones that have the most character like you said and I, i agree now speaking of character what happens when you get older and you're wearing cargo shorts and some, you know, crispy boy, new balance, white shoes, and you have five pairs of shoes, and one pair of shoes is brand new white for special occasions, and but the favorite shoes are white ones that are stained green from mowing the lawn, and that's all you move into. What are you going to do at that point in your life, Sean, when that's all you own for sneakers, and then you've got all these other ones, and you're like, now what am I going to do? I love my crispy boys. <laughs> I'm going to challenge you on that and say, no matter how old I get, I'm still going to have at least... 25 pairs. All right. Okay. So Ryan, you schedule this in 10 years. Yeah. We're going to do a, back. a yearly check, a decade I check. Because if I ever see a picture of you in cargo shorts and <laughs> New Balance white sneakers online, um, man, I'm coming hey, for you. New Balance is coming back though. The dad shoe they is are. in trend right now. Some People are crazy. Everything crazy. dad's in trend, buddy, that, all the time. I know. But it's a good fit. It's relaxed <laughs> and you can just not really care that much and still yeah. look good. It's great. The dad bod is in trend yeah. right now. Oh, yeah. Relaxed fit is underrated. <laughs> it's true. Oh, man. It's Comfy, true. Yeah. People love it. So, Where do you think this goes, Sean? How far, how expensive? Uh, again, that goes back to that whole idea of this bubble because even a couple of years ago, shoes that were maybe five, 600 then, now they're fetching like 2,000 plus. And it doesn't seem like there's any chance that it's going to be slowing down. So I don't know. That's a really tough question. If I could, 
in an ideal world, yeah, prices would go down and things would become a bit more normal and closer to they were closer to how they were around ten years ago. But I just can't see it happening, to be honest. With social media the way it is, right? That's exactly. the thing is yeah. you see somebody with a picture of Jordans and then the other person shares it and like, oh, those are cool. And then you find out that a rapper like Travis Scott or, or Kanye or whoever's wearing them and then bam, the shoe went from being worth 300 bucks to over a thousand. And that's the volatility there. Is it difficult for you to kind of keep up the content while having to deal with that volatility? Um, yes and no. I mean, obviously I can't obtain every single thing that I want and it just comes down to being, uh, balancing between what I actually like and what I would like to add to my collection versus what I think my audience would like me to, uh, review. So, uh, you know, it's still kind of a, a gray line in that sense. Uh, but I do want to say that I think the brands, these big brands, can really dictate how the future of the the community will be because if you think about it it's it's this artificial uh sense of these shoes being limited that drives this, the community crazy and um they'll release something super limited like a travis scott collaboration for example a lot of people strike out and then they'll release something similar but but it's a lot more obtainable and everyone will flock to that and buy those up so it's kind of that repetitive nature that brands like Nike and Jordan mostly are, are to blame, I'd say. Sean, go, where can we go for everyone to see your photos? Cause you said photos is truly your love affair here as well as sneakers. So can you give us a couple of socials for everyone who doesn't believe that you're a real person, not like Snuffleupagus that we've just created to support Ryan's sneaker habit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can check out my photos on Instagram. So my username is at S G O eight. And um, I'm also on Twitter at Sean.go, uh, spelt out. And then uh, my YouTube for my reviews is youtube.com slash Sean Go. Thank you very much, sir, for being here with us. And um, I will make sure that Ryan doesn't stalk you because I know that he's a big fan <laughs> of your stuff. Ryan's always welcome. Don't worry. We're family Sweet. now. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> it's the Shift Podcast. In case you missed it on the radio, here's That'll do. The Donald. That'll do. Thank you, Shane, for a nice beef there. Beep there. Oh, I beef. said beef. I didn't uh, give you. No. Where's <laughs> the beef? Why'd you make it weird? <laughs> I, you know me. I have to make it weird. Now. You do. I know. We talked a lot about sneakers on the show tonight. There are no sneakers to talk about, and in case you missed it, but there is a bunch of weird, wild things happening on the world right now, and a friend of The Shift also had a pretty amazing moment on TV that I want to share with you, but first, we need to talk about the Suez Canal. For those of, of you who do. don't know what the Suez Canal is, it is probably the most important shipping lane in the world. It allows shipping containers, specifically from Europe to China and Asia, to bypass the Horn of Africa and go right through. It saves a whole week of travel. And currently, it's clogged. How? Well, a ship called the Ever Given <laughs> ran aground sideways and has completely backed up the entire Suez Canal. It has been going on for a few days now. 
And there are some ridiculous things happening behind the scenes here that I'm going to talk about. But first, I will let Redmond Shannon kind of paint the picture of what it actually looks like on the ground in Egypt right now. Stuck in the Suez and going nowhere. The plight of the massive MV Ever Given has the potential to play havoc with trade between Asia and Europe. On Tuesday morning, the 400-metre-long container ship ran aground, stubbing its bow into one canal wall, its stern against the other, effectively becoming a lock gate on one of the world's most important trade routes. She's longer than the canal is wide. And, and so she's jammed in there pretty good. And, and so it's going to be very difficult to, to pull her off. And they have to be very careful pulling her off because, again, they've got all that weight in the center of the vessel. And she's not buoyant right now because she's hung up on the edge. The company that manages the ship says it has ruled out a mechanical failure. The owner suspects sudden high winds are to blame. The headache is perhaps best illustrated from space, the blockage causing two ever-growing swarms of vessels at either end of the 200-kilometer Suez Canal. I would invite you to go online right now and see a picture of, you can look up just satellite tracking of Suez Canal to see the absurd amount of boats that are currently backlogged that cannot get through. Amazon's having a tough time moving some stuff around, let me tell you. They Austin Powers did. They did. They totally did, right? <laughs> when he gets the forklifts <laughs> stuck in the hallway, they oh, Austin it Powers is. It. It's literally stuck sideways. It is, yes. So, it is currently ran aground diagonally across the single lane stretch of the canal. Roughly 30% of the world's shipping container volume goes through the Suez Canal daily, which is about 12% of every piece of trade in the world. So shipping experts wow. say if the blockage is not cleared within the next 24 to 48 hours, some shipping firms may have to reroute their vessels around the southern tip of Africa, which would add a week to the journey. This could cost millions, potentially billions of dollars because somebody steered the ship the wrong way. Well, and the delays, because all those ships are scheduled to pick up here, drop off here, pick up there, drop off there. Kind of like an airplane picks up the people. Um, it's I mean, they've, they've got places they need to be. Mm -hmm. But this story gets even weirder. Before getting stuck, the Ever Given had a route that it was, you know, f uh, fulfilling in the Mediterranean Sea. And you can actually, you know, uh, when you see an airplane in the sky and it's got, I don't know what uh, what to call the trail, uh, but you, just, you, know, you see the kind of mini clouds behind the plane and they can spell an image in the sky. Yeah, but some people call it exhaust. Some people call it a chemtrail. <laughs> Depends okay. on what, which yeah. side of your tinfoil okay. hat is on right now. Yeah, uh, we'll call it exhaust. Well, boats can do the same thing. Now, you can't really see boat exhaust in water, but what you can do is track a ship's movement. And just out of curiosity, some investigators were looking into what the Ever Given's course was before it went into the canal. And the boat went in a route that was a shape. That shape, um, how do I put this, uh, involved two <laughs> circular objects and a long <laughs> cylinder. Oh, man. I just found the picture. It 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 looks like a penis. Okay, I'm just it, that's what it looks like. Oh my! Well, now, it does. It does include the 
his friends. And then like the, the, you know, lower orbs. Yeah. Orbs. Yeah. And and then, then the, (laughs) this is serious, but this is real people. This, this is, this is what I snoped to this. Snope is an amazing website where you can fact check anything. And yes, this did happen. Now, what is unclear is if this was a joke. There is a chance that essentially the boat needed to kill some time, so they just went around in a pattern. The company said that uh, they confirmed a vice that the route was genuine, adding that there is no room for some kind of conspiracies or false data. Well, the data is not false. That's what it looked like. Uh, I just want a clear answer on that because if 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 millions upon millions of dollars are lost because a captain of a boat thought, hey, wouldn't this be funny? And then missed their route by a little bit or an hour and then got stuck in the Suez Canal. That might be the most Darwin moment in modern history. Okay, so GPS tracking follows the boat, creates a little map on the on the picture, on the screen of where they've been. You can do that with airplanes. You can do it with boats. They drove their boat in... Um, a pattern that drew a penis and testicles in the ocean, then went into the canal and uh, stubbed the front end and missed, and now they're wedged sideways in the canal. Oh, that's a bad welcome, day. Welcome to 2021, people. I say It <laughs> seems like I say that every other week, uh, but I, I'm okay with it. It keeps this, uh, keeps this bit entertaining, to say the least. Uh, so I will keep you posted on what is happening in the Suez Canal. Hopefully, tonight's show, we'll be able to say, don't worry, the canal is clear, or maybe I will have an answer into this uh, the, this phallic mystery. Now, another entertaining thing. Oh, dear. Our friend Eric Bauza. Eric mm. is the voice of Bugs Bunny and a bunch of Looney Tunes characters. We had him on the show Marvin a few the months Martian. ago. Marvin the Martian. Well, you're going to be happy because guess what? We had him on the show and it was such an amazing human being, a great story. So a Canadian who just loves these characters and you can tell he is literally living his dream right now. And he was on a TV show mm. and he tweeted about it. So yes, let's get into our tweet. Uh, I t- totally didn't even uh, uh, tell uh Tell Brendan how this works. So, Brendan, you can play that first clip right now. It's the tweet of the day. Let's get into it. He was on a TV show called To Tell the Truth. Have you ever watched that game show? Or I haven't watched it, it, but I've heard it. Yeah, I've yes. heard of it, yeah. So for those of you who don't know, basically how this show works is there are three panelists and there are three people. The panelists ask the other panel questions to try to find out which one of the three is the real person. And that person usually has a weird job or is famous for something uh, that people might not know. Now, uh, the reboot of the show started in 2016 and it aired an episode uh, yesterday. And Eric was the subject. Eric was the real person, not the imposter. And these celebrities, including one of the hosts from Queer Eye, uh, and I believe Gabriel Iglesias, a well, amazing comedian, had to try to figure out 
who was the real voice of Bugs Bunny. And we love Eric. And what he did on the show for us was fantastic. And you can tell that he brings that energy with him everywhere he goes. So this is the second after it is revealed that he is the real voice of Bugs Bunny. Let's check it out. Oh, you Number are amazing. one, please. Tell us your name. Uh, my name is Eric Bauza, and I'm the voice of Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Tweety Bird, and Marvin the Martian. Oh, okay, yeah. do it. Oh, yeah. All right. Yes, and uh, we hear some of your other characters. Uh, well, we know that Daffy Duck is the real star of Looney Tunes. Oh, my God. Yeah. 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 Bugs Bunny update, Duck. And Daffy Duck. And Tweety Bird, I taught I taught Putty Cat, Mama. I did, I did teach Putty Cat. And Marvin the Martian, I do enjoy your show, Anthony, but it blocks my view of Venus. <laughs> Give it up for the voice of Bugs Bunny and a whole lot of other characters. Yes. Congrats, Eric. That's wonderful. Love that guy. We- we love it. And uh, we do hope to get him on the show when we have more information about Space Jam 2, which he is absolutely in. Love it. Love it. Uh, so, celebrities. I like when they do weird stuff, you know, when they think outside the box, especially when you're kind of at the tail end of the twilight of your career. So you think, hey, I'll start a cooking show. Hey, I'll, I'll write a cookbook. I'll <laughs> be on a random TV show. Well, there is a rock and roll legend that has done this. <laughs> but <laughs> sorry, every time I read this, it's so funny. This guy hasn't made albums in years. He's still toured up until before the pandemic. And his songs are legendary. I love his music. Meatloaf is going to be hosting a new dating TV show. Dating. Yes, dating. Now, why meatloaf well (laughs) meatloaf is hosting a relationship show and it is quite literally based on this oh no The show is literally called I Would Do Anything for Love, But I Won't Do That. Genius. It is I mean, kind of genius. I yeah. feel like it compromises a deep part of my core, but it mm-hmm. is pretty genius. Yeah. So how is this show going to work? Well, two couples will put their relationship on the line. Uh-oh. High stakes here. For the show's cash prize. After two rounds of absurd and sometimes frightening physical contests inspired and accompanied by rock ballads the couple will advance to the end game where their faith in each other will undergo the ultimate challenge this sounds like a gladiator combat show uh i mean meatloaf's catalog isn't that big so hopefully they don't run out of music (laughs) to play Uh, i i need to see this this sounds ridiculous i i um I did watch a Simpsons episode recently, recently where Marge and Homer were on a, a, a game show, mm-hmm. and they got kicked off. And the last thing was who's willing to drop their partner, leave their partner to get into the finals. I kind of imagine it being like that. Definitely. And there you have it. I mean, the internet gets wilder every every day, and I love bringing it to you. So those are the stories you may have missed, and don't worry, I will have many more tonight. 
Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.